This episode is brought to you by the Recharge Family. The Recharge Family is a service network that focuses on providing free content and resources for parents and educators so that they can better support the kids in their lives who may be struggling in some capacity. The Recharge Family provides a wide variety of multimedia content with their Exhausted Educators podcast, Parents Recharge podcast, and the Recharge Family YouTube channel. They also help individual families through their service-based Holding On To Learning LLC, where they'll meet with you virtually to answer any school-based or outside agency-based questions, or just to provide families with some guidance on the next steps to help their child. The good news is, if your family can't pay for this service, you don't pay anything. And even if you can afford it, it's only a donation-based service, so you choose the amount that you'd like to donate. To learn more about the Recharge Family services or to support the Recharge Family mission, go to rechargefamily.com or follow the Recharge Family on Instagram or Twitter at Recharge Family. Remember, you can do your part too in helping more families and educators get access to the Recharge Family information and resources by subscribing wherever you watch or listen to the Recharge Family content. Isn't it time to get the child in your life back on track with the support that they deserve? You can do that by going to rechargefamily.com. To all the exhausted village, I'm, that's what I'm going to call your fans, Kyle. The exhausted village. Shout out to the exhausted educator. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're gonna love the exhausted educator channel! Class is in session. Here's the short ball dude from the exhausted educator show! What is going on, education heroes? Thank you for dropping in to the exhausted educator show. In this episode, we're going to talk about positive leadership, specifically positive leadership during, well, challenging times. And if you think over the last few years, we've had a challenging time or two to deal with, and that's probably putting it lightly. As a matter of fact, if you're in any kind of leadership role over the last few years, you know it has been ultra challenging, and it just seems to be one thing after another and you just have to keep plowing ahead, and it's not always easy. But this episode isn't just for administrators. This episode is for leaders, and you don't have to be a principal or a supervisor or you know upper administrator within your school district to be a leader. You can be a leader and be a teacher. You can be a leader and be a paraprofessional. Really, leaders are throughout everyone's school district, and you don't necessarily have to be you know, have an administrative certificate to be a leader. So this is really for everyone. And this episode, we have brought on the perfect person to talk about it because he has all kinds of experiences to share with you about positive leadership. He has specific examples of what you can do to help others during challenging times. All right, let's get on. I want to introduce this awesome guest. He's such a good dude. You're really going to enjoy listening to this episode. Hold on tight. Joshua Stamper, who is our special guest today, is first and foremost just a really good human being. He's all about leading in positive ways. And specifically, he's about taking care of his people. And he has always had some creative ways to do that. And he's going to share some of those awesome examples with you in this episode just coming up in a second. But I want to introduce you to him and give you a little bit of background. 
He didn't take a typical route to becoming an administrator. He started off as an art teacher and worked his way through, but it didn't always come easy. And so he built up a variety of experiences, and not, not all of them were positive, but he learned from them and got better and better and learned to grow and become a stronger and stronger leader. He outlines a lot of this stuff in his book, Aspire to Lead. I would highly recommend, if you're looking for a book about leadership, it's a really good choice for you. And it's an easy read. He's very vulnerable, provides a lot of experiences, and just it's a book that you can pick up, read, and walk away feeling like you've gained something from. He's also an amazing podcaster. If you've never heard his Aspire to Lead podcast, I would highly recommend you check it out. He's a very calm individual, and it's just easy to listen to him. I find myself just getting sucked in when he's talking about stuff, whether it be on his podcast or when I've heard him on other people's podcasts talking about a wide variety of things. A lot of it looking at leadership, though. So he started off as an art teacher, and then he went to become a assistant principal at a middle school, and he also started to dip his toes in the water with the Teach Better team. Whether you knew this or not, I think probably most of you do if you're, if you're a regular listener, our podcast is part of the Teach Better Podcast Network. He is the, he's the individual who manages the whole podcast network. But that's not all he does. Actually, this year particularly, this last couple months, he's taken on his new role. He is no longer assistant principal. He is now the training and development specialist for the entire Teach Better team. He still runs and leads our podcast network which is filled with, I don't know, I think we're up to maybe 40 podcasts now in the education world. But he also does a lot of professional development and leadership kinds of things, whether it be helping administrators, helping teachers. He's just all over the place doing all kinds of good things. You are really going to love listening to Josh Stamper. He's got some awesome ideas that you can take and, and just implement immediately and help to make the people that you're working with just make you all a little bit stronger. Ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Stamper. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm super excited to have a special guest on today to talk about leading in positive ways. And there was one person in particular I wanted to reach out to when I thought of this specific idea for this episode. And it's none other than the amazingly talented Joshua Stamper. Thank you for joining me tonight, Josh. Wow, Kyle, with an intro like that, that's <laughs> fantastic. I am so honored that you thought of me and, and that I have the opportunity to speak with you today. Yeah, you got it. So, Josh, I know you a little bit from our work with Teach Better Team, but uh, could you just kind of go through your ed, your ed journey is an interesting story. So could you just kind of go through and backtrack a little bit and get everybody caught up on where you were and all the way up to you've had, you know, an eventful couple of years in the last couple of years now yeah. to you know, even your new position where you're at with Teach Better Team? Yeah, I, I think interesting is probably the, the term I hear the most, because when I tell people what, where I started, I was an art teacher and a coach. And right there is kind of an interesting combination. I, I don't get too many folks that that have that. And it was my two passions. I, I loved art growing up. It was really the only reason I stayed in the school was or really went to school was for art and to have that opportunity to be creative. And then 
my love for athletics and specifically soccer, I, I played for over 20 years. So um, when I had the opportunity to to become a teacher, I, I definitely want to coach. Now, what the funny thing is, when I started coaching, I actually didn't coach soccer. I coached <laughs> football, basketball, and track because that was the position that was open. And I, I did that for many years. Um, so after my third year as an art teacher, I remember distinctly going into the break room to get coffee and I am not a morning person by any means. And nobody was really there. I was there to get there early and to prep for the day. And my assistant principal came in and tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, I I have a serious question for you. Uh, do you think you'd ever want to be an administrator? And I laughed in his face. I, <laughs> I was thinking there's no way I'm, I barely know how to teach and coach, let alone be, become a leader on a campus and an administ administrator. And he, he realized, I thought he was joking and he was like, no, I'm being serious. Like, I really think you have some qualities I've seen, you know, as a coach and how you work with so many students and are able to, you know, handle that well. And you're making a difference on the campus. I think you should look into administration. And I couldn't get it out of my head for like several days. And then I brought it to my wife, my amazing wife, Leslie. And I was like, Hey, you know, what do you think? And she totally fed into just the idea of like, yeah, you really could do that and make an impact on a campus. And then like a month later, I was in a program for my master's. And so, yeah, I did that and um, had some phenomenal mentors on my campus that literally opened the door for me and gave me every opportunity to experience the position, know what it was. And it was like a two, two and a half year process to move up into the Dean of Students position that I, I wanted. And so in our district, uh, from a teacher when you're going in through that administrative track, you, you need to get into the pool. And then from there, you get a dean of students role, which is essentially an assistant principal, but you have 100% of the student discipline. And then from there, I, I was only in that position, thankfully, for a year. And I got moved up uh, into the AP role. And, and I was an assistant principal for four years on a campus. And then I moved to neighboring district where I live, where my kids go to school, and uh, was an assistant principal for four years there. And then I made the the leap. So this last summer I made a change and um, I'm working now with the teach better team. I've been working with them for a couple of years in a smaller role, but I'm now the training and development specialist for them. And I do all kinds of different things for them, including uh, managing the the podcast network, which we're both on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do amazing things. You do, you do a lot of, th you did a lot of things before for the teach better team. And now it's, yeah. you know, you just sharing with me the even, even longer list that you have. It's, it's impressive, <laughs> man. It's impressive. So, um, you know, I was thinking, I listened to a, a bunch of different podcasts that, that you've been on. I listened to your, your show often, but Thank it, you. sometimes you can, sometimes you get more insight on a podcaster. If you listen to them when they're on somebody else's show, if that makes sense, you know, yeah. telling their own story. And, and I realized you and I have a, quite a bit in common as far as like you know growing up as kids who struggled in school so yeah. i know that you'd mentioned that and that was definitely me as somebody who you know had plenty of challenges behaviorally <laughs> and academically and everything in between and it you can kind of maybe just touch on a little bit of how maybe that experience has crafted you into the person you are i kind of i'm guessing maybe i know this is definitely impact for me is that you know i probably look at things a little bit different from an education standpoint because of those experiences what do you think about that yeah so i i hated school I, i'm going to be very blunt in that in that i drug my feet every single day and and asked my mother not to go to school often and and the reason for that was because i just didn't feel like the model back then was conducive to my skills and like my strengths and I was constantly having to be fit into this box. And 
you know, I, I lost really any capability of like paying attention for long periods of time. And, you know, in the nineties, it was, you sit there for 45 minutes, you listen to a teacher, you get your homework and you move on and to the next thing. And yeah. then after a week, you get a test. And if you fail, who, who cares? You, you're going to the next unit, you right? You keep grinding. And you keep grinding. <laughs> and that's what it felt like. And I, and I questioned a lot of things of like the validity of why we're learning this and how am I going to use it in the future? And how is this going to make me a productive adult? You know, and, and so I, I had a lot of pushback. So either I was adversive in that and like really <laughs> was, um, protesting verbally <laughs> to a teacher or I was just like non-compliant and I just didn't engage. Yeah. You know, those are kind of my two strategies in school. And yep. what came back where the teachers would be like, he's got a lot of talent and he's capable of doing it, but he doesn't show any initiative. And that's really what my, my parents heard often. And I would get the lectures and whatnot. So it's kind of funny. My, my whole family laughs now to think that I've been in education for almost 20 years <laughs> and, and an administrator for so long because that was my my insight. And so, yeah, when you talk about impact and like how it has shaped me as a person, it also shaped me as a, as a educational leader because my mission then became, I don't want any student to come into my building feeling the same way as I did. Yep. And so many times I went through the school day and not a teacher noticed me or addressed me or really asked me like, hey, Josh, how are you doing today? You know, because... I don't go into great detail, but like my childhood, we had some things going on at home that really affected who I was. And, and I didn't feel like I had control at home, but I did feel like I had control at school. And I pretty much had the mindset and forgive me for saying this, but it was pretty much screw everybody. Right. <laughs> like right. That was my mindset. Yeah. And, yeah. and this isn't important to me. And the reason was that because there was a lot of stuff going on at home. And so um, I say all that because my focus has morphed and changed also in the sense of, you know, I'm going to get into my personal life. My, my wife and I are foster parents and we've been doing that for a decade now. Well, we get to see just how these, these kids in foster care have gone through so many adverse situations and how it affects their behavior. And then it was like my mission, like not only from my experience as a student, as a child, but then also now being a parent and seeing that and going through these trainings and learning about so many students that are struggling every single day and they don't have an outlet to be able to vocalize that. And so instead they choose to do the same thing I did. Right. Yep. And they have these behaviors and sometimes they don't even understand the emotions that are going through their mind and through their, their body. And, and so the only outlet they have is the way that they are acting. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of, I'm getting into a, a long winded answer here, Kyle, but it's all good like, stuff. I, though. I love like diving into there's a greater need as educators. And then sometimes we get so focused on the curriculum that we don't, we, we miss what's the greatest thing, which is the student's heart. Yep. Yep. You are, you are speaking my language, man, speaking my language. And, and all of what you're saying is, is true. And, and I know it, th this may sound like an odd statement, but like <laughs> it, from my, from my stand, my personal standpoint, I don't listen to a lot of podcasters unless I feel like they're just generally good people. Right. And <laughs> sure. I have always got that vibe from you in, in talking with you, but also hearing ev you know, all your episodes and you know, reading your material. It, it ju you just generally come off as a good person. And I know you and your family are, are doing all kinds of amazing things and, and you're a big hearted person. And again, that leads back to our 
topic today of you know lead, leading in positive ways. So could yeah. you talk a little bit? Speaking of your book, by the way, uh, an amazing read. And could you talk a little bit about like your vision? Because you kind of outlined some of these things, some of your personal mm-hmm. journeys and stories uh, that you go. You're very vulnerable, and ex- as far as the things you've learned in in, sure. in all the pieces you put out there. But you could maybe just talk about like your vision of of leadership that you see, you know, from your perspective. Yeah. So I mean, in addition to what I already talked about, as far as like making sure students really love learning and want to be in that educational space, like the book Aspire to Lead is really my heart for leadership development. And there are so many people that I I've come across through different programs, leadership programs that are just longing and seeking for information on how to become a leader on a campus. And, and I preface in the book, like every educator is a leader. It's not about title. It's about influence. And we, we all can make a difference on a campus. And, and a lot of people unfortunately have this, and I've heard it a thousand times is I'm just a, and then fill in the blank, whatever their position is, right? right. I'm only a paraprofessional or I'm only a teacher. I'm only whatever, right? So um, I, I try to kind of flush that out right away of get rid of that mindset, okay? And and here are some steps and some pitfalls um, that you may see along the way. And, and the reason for that is because I want to develop as many leaders on my campus as possible. That is my mission. And so- you know, there's several things that we put in place over the years to to make sure that that happens. Because if I have a full staff that has at least had some leadership experience and a title, then I know that we're set up for for great things. And not to say that someone has to be in a leadership position for 10 years, but I want folks to not be stagnant. I don't want them to be complacent. I want them to grow at all times. And to do that, you have to stretch yourself and you have to get sometimes in these spaces of, of being uncomfortable. And so for our leadership team, no one can be in that space for three years. So for instance, if if you're a department lead for three years, you have to reapply and, and we start going through that process again. And the reason for that, like I said, is because we want other people to have those opportunities. And unfortunately, I've been on campuses where someone's been in a leadership position for 12, 13, 14 years, and it's kind of the same thing over and over again. This is how we've always done it. And I just don't think that's good for campus culture. I don't think that's good for folks to grow in the position that they're in. So that's that's kind of where I'm, my vision is as a leader is to try and to, to develop additional leaders and make sure that I'm spreading that not only to my campus, but throughout the district, throughout the country. And, you know, thankfully, I have a podcast, too, that kind of goes with that. So hopefully, you know, not only the book, but the podcast is making a difference in, in many folks' lives. Yeah, you are making a difference for a lot of people. And um, I I honestly mean this when I say your message and many of your messages, because you put a lot of different things out there, just really powerful pieces of information to share. So, you know, personally, I, I appreciate everything you're putting out. And thank you. Uh, as far as leadership goes, I've always appreciated the fact that you, you, you will always acknowledge you know, you don't necessarily have to be a principal to be a, a leader on your mm-hmm. campus. And um, I've always appreciated that. And speaking of leadership, we'd love to think that things are always going to be, you know, come, we can always look through rose colored glasses, but we know that's not, <laughs> that's not the real, the real situation we're all living in, in, no. in the real lands, right? So um, could you talk about maybe just in general, maybe s- some challenges that, that new leaders would face as they're yeah. kind of growing into whatever new leadership role they would have? Yeah, for me, you know, in my journey, like I said, I was at my third year when I got tapped on the shoulder. And I'll be honest, I go from zero to 100. That's just my mentality. And unfortunately, in education, it's more like a cruise ship making a turn versus a speedboat. And I definitely am young, 
new leader, I was in the speedboat and I was going a million miles an hour and I wanted to take on as much as possible. And I was on like a million committees and I was trying to attend all these different things. And unfortunately what happened was, you know, I was viewed as this young teacher that didn't know much, which is true to all of a sudden at every single meeting, every, you know, working on every single committee and doing all these extra tasks and, you know, now being viewed as an partial administrator and that just didn't gel very well. And so all of a sudden my friendships <laughs> started to diminish and, yeah. you know, things started to happen. Like for instance, going into the uh, workroom to go eat lunch and the conversations start to dwindle to almost silence, you know, just these awkward little moments of two people talking in the hallway and I come to say hello. And then all of a sudden, you know, crickets. Everybody's so, quiet all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? And I didn't make the association that, okay, I am starting to be viewed in a different way. And, you know, I talk about that in the book and then, you know, um, for instance, like I had a, a, a great friend, uh, ask for some, feedback on a presentation that they were going to be presenting at a staff meeting. And I was thinking, okay, this is my moment. I can, you know, share how you speak in front of all these things. So I gave all these notes on the presentation and I did not get a warm response. I got quite the negative, uh, expletive <laughs> response really <laughs> of how dare I, I'm not an administrator type of thing. And at this time I was extremely confused, but it, you know, in my reflection, you know, that wasn't what they were looking for. Right. They were looking for support. They were looking to, they were nervous and they, they wanted to be told, you know, you have a great presentation you're doing a great job. And instead it looked like, you know, all these red marks and you know, you're, you're, you're going to bomb it essentially. And that's really what the vision wasn't what I, what I uh, anticipated, but that's what happened. Right. So, you know, you got to understand relationships are going to change the way you're viewed, everything that you do, it's now in a different lens. Mm. So I, I learned that the hard way. Um, I think also, you know, I, I talk about these pitfalls, especially as a coach and as a teacher, I had two leaders set me down at various times and say, what is your role on this campus? And so my AD, my athletic director sat me down once and, and I was like, well, I'm a coach. Well, how often are you here to be a coach? Because what was happening was I was getting pulled to do various things. I was doing master schedule. I was doing these uh, meetings and tasks or, you know, getting data for an administrator, you know, and I was cutting out and they would maybe put a sub in that spot or they were shorthanded. And so all these other coaches were having to take extra duty when I was getting the experience to become an administrator and looking back. Yeah, it was pretty selfish of me because they didn't sign up for it. They didn't ask to take on those extra responsibilities. They just did it because they were trying to help me out. And, or they were just feeling, feeling like they had to, because an administrator asked them to do that. So, um, or I had my principal bring me in and was like, what is your job title? Well, it's an art teacher. Are you the best art teacher you possibly can be? And I had to say no, because hmm. I was doing so many additional tasks in the front office because I was in the front office before school, during my prep, during lunch, after school, like every point of any free time I had. I was trying to get that experience. And so again, speedboat, right? I yeah. was going zero to a hundred, yeah. trying to get as much experience as possible, forgetting my role and ex extending myself too much where other things were falling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as an administrator, I think it, it, I, I associated to the person that's at the halftime show that's spinning the plates on the stick. Those <laughs> folks are extremely talented. 
because they touch all these plates and they continue the rotation. Well, in that sense, I was letting plates drop all the time mm. because I wasn't touching them. I wasn't, you know, all these different projects or lesson plans or grading or whatever I was supposed to be doing with all those different tasks. I was, I had too many plates and I didn't have enough hands. Yeah. And so, um, unfortunately, you know, I had to have that crucial conversation with my principal who, you know, credit to him made me understand what my role was and to not stretch myself and expand it so that I was making things and tasks or projects fail because I was trying to do too much. Yeah. Yeah. So great advice. That's a great analogy with the spinning plates, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so uh, coming down the home stretch here, I know you are always about like ways to lead in positive ways. And yeah. So that's kind of where I want to go for the rest of this. Like, can you talk about obviously being a leader in whatever capacity that is over the last, especially three and a half years or so has just been yeah. nuts. Uh, yeah. And the challenges have gone through the roof and Really, has there ever been a harder time to be involved with education? I don't know if there has been. So that being said, I know that you still have a variety of things that you did previously as assistant principal and now yep. in your new position of just positive ways to lead despite the challenges that, uh, that you face in leadership mm -hmm. role. You want to share some of those kinds of ideas? Oh, for sure, man. I, I love it. I, um, you know, talking about association. So as a soccer player, you know, I played for a long time and I always remember my coaches talking about valuable possessions. And so, you know, in a game, it's 90 minutes long, but you may only touch the ball for 90 seconds because you get the ball. And if you don't get it out in three seconds or less, you're probably getting the ball taken from you and you're on the ground <laughs> eating grass. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I always talk about quality possessions. So I like to relate that in administration of quality possessions of time or interaction with my staff. Because a lot of times, if you think about it, if you have a, a staff of 70 to 100, there's a lot of days you don't see folks. Right. And when you do, you've seen them for maybe 30 seconds or less. So whenever I have that conversation or that interaction, it better be quality. Hmm. And how am I doing that? And so, you know, for myself, I have certain folks that I have to assess and, you know, I'm their appraiser and, you know, it's, it's a third of the building. And so I have for myself a sheet that I track interactions. And that way I know for a fact that I've touched the, their lives in some way. And I've asked something of them well beyond what they've do in the classroom. Right. So just a simple, how are you doing? What can I do for you? You know, how is the family, you know, something beyond school, because so many times, especially like you said, the last couple of years have just been horrendous. I mean, we've not only gone through a pandemic, but there's been so many stressful things that have happened in, in our staff's lives. And yeah. unfortunately, a lot of times it happens and we don't even know it. You know, I, I can think of so many times over the last like 10 years where a staff member has gone through a divorce or a really abusive relationship or something that just so terrible. And you know, don't even know it because right. they, they hide it. They go into their job. They do a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. They put the smile on because they love kids they pour their heart in the classroom and then they go just to a really tough situation. And if we don't ask those questions, if we don't make time to really dig in and not the walk by, how are you doing? Like we so many times do and the can answer, Oh, I'm doing great. Right. right. But really trying to like go in, sit down. No, really, how are you doing? And I, I can't tell you how many times I've had to preface multiple times, how are you really doing yeah. to get under that? 
and to show them that you truly care. So, you know, just that quality time is so distinct. And, and I'll share another thing, Kyle is, you know, my other district and my other campus, it's something I, I wish I did in my, la- my last campus is we really dove into love languages mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how people feel valued. Because unfortunately with time as, as administrator, it's easy just to give verbal praise and you do it potentially to everybody right. as a blanket statement. And it falls on deaf ears because the feedback is not specific. It's just general, yeah. right? So it's it's something they've all heard a million times and it it doesn't do anything, right? So my principal and I had them go through the book. There's one that's for professionals where they were looking and taking an assessment on how they enjoyed appreciation, right? And we made a spreadsheet too. I, I hate to say spreadsheet again, because that might be a dirty w- word for some folks. But you know, for me, it was a way to collect data to understand like, okay, they, they would much rather have a handwritten note for them than for me to say something to them or for me to give them a side hug or to give them a gift, you know, maybe a $5 gift card to Starbucks. So, you know, like for some people that just doesn't mean anything, right? So how am I able to voice appreciation to you where you feel the most valued and not everyone's the same. So we got to dig in and figure out like really, truly know our folks and, and find a way to, you know, go beyond just like we do with our students going, going beyond the curriculum or a lesson plan or a state assessment and dig into who are these folks? What are they struggling with? And how can I show them that I appreciate them every single day? And then they're making an impact on our campus. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting. I wrote down here in my notes that I wanted to ask you specifically about spreadsheets. So, <laughs> so, so everyone's like, "Oh, spreadsheets, spreadsheets." No, specifically though, it, I've heard I've I've heard you talk about spreadsheets before. And there is nothing wrong with spreadsheets. Uh, whatever organizational system works for you, yeah, you know, roll with it. Actually, one in particular though that I thought was awesome to make sure that you were touching base with all of yep. your staff through, and you were color coding and whatever yep. system you had. Could you just kind of share that with the audience? I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So I had it. So it was like uh, every couple of weeks I had a tab for the duration of time and I had my staff and I literally copy and pasted the staff list and yeah, I color coded it. So I knew how much time I was spending with folks and if I may touch base with them. And for me, there's, there's a shirt or saying, I, I can't wear, or maybe it's a meme, like administration is like riding a bike, but the bike is on fire. You're on fire. Everything's on fire. <laughs> and that's so true because you know, you have your list of things I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden the world explodes Mm -hmm. and you've got a thousand different things and a thousand different people asking you to do stuff. And so what I was doing was I was losing that one-on-one personal time with folks. And if, and, but it was important to me. And if it's important, then I'm going to make time for it. But I just need the organizational piece to help me understand like, who have I actually gone and talked to? Because Unfortunately, I would just go to the same people because it was maybe on a certain route or, you know, I get in my routines and it's easier to see some people than others based on their proximity to my office. And, and I needed to make an effort. And, and if I didn't have that spreadsheet, then I didn't know that I hadn't gone in that wing or that area of the building to go and and tell them that I appreciate them or ask them how they're doing. And yeah, so that was my lifeline of, of making sure I knew who I went to and when I went to them and. I'm very visual. I love colors. And so, yeah, my spreadsheet was was extremely colorful based on who I had and hadn't seen. I, th- I think it's a great idea. You know, it and kind of goes back to your, your personal story about, 
you know, sometimes just not being seen in school, you know, yeah. almost comes into play there. Like you, this is one way for you to make sure that you see everybody on your staff. I just thought it was a great idea, something to for anybody out there in a leadership role, whether it be, you know, administrator, whether it be even somebody who works in like a coaching capacity, uh, instructionally or behaviorally, uh, just something to think about. I thought it was a good idea. Josh, I really appreciate having you on. I honestly, as I sit here and listen to you, it's the same feel I get when I listen to your podcast. Like, man, I could <laughs> listen to this guy for hours, right? Like, just listen. <laughs> There's just something that. about the way you talk, man. You suck me in. I really, pre- <laughs> really appreciate you coming on. And for the audience, if you haven't yet, pick up his book. It's a great read. It's an, I don't want to say it's an easy read in like a bad way, meaning it's like just really, um, you can tell he poured his soul into it mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of gave a lot of himself through that book. It's, just, it's a really good read. And his podcast is amazing. And we'll put all that information down in the show notes so you can check out his stuff. So one more time, Josh, thank you so much for jumping on. Appreciate you. Kyle, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. How awesome is Josh Stamper, huh? Just a really good human being. I'm telling you, he's the kind of person who leads with his heart, and he's got a lot of experiences to draw from that he's learned a variety of things through all the years, and he applies it now in a wide variety of ways, whether it be as as an author, a podcaster, or helping people on a daily basis through the Teach Better team. He's just an awesome dude. Again, highly suggest checking out his podcast. I think you'll really enjoy it. Before we wrap up, I want to share this one last piece. If you could help us out by either subscribing on YouTube, or if you're listening on podcast, follow us on podcast, wherever you're getting your podcast, that would be very helpful. Here's what happens. And I don't normally hit this, you know, beat this drum often, but I will say once in a while that in order for us to get content out to more people who might need it, it takes people subscribing, liking, and all those other kinds of things that you'll hear on YouTube channels and in the podcast world. So if you're willing to do that for us, we really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, leaders are grown, and it doesn't mean you don't make mistakes along the way. You absolutely do. Everybody does. It's what you do to learn from your experiences that make you better and better and better as time moves on. But it doesn't always take a straight line up. Sometimes you take two steps forward and you take a step back, you reflect, and then you keep on moving. Positive leadership during really challenging times, it's it's what will help staffs, it's what will help groups of educators get through and to do exactly what they're supposed to be doing bringing their best selves to the classrooms to help students. And that's what it's all about. Helping kids on a daily basis, trying to make an impact on young people. Remember, it's super important. Take care of yourself so you can take care of them, meaning your students, but also everybody else in your life too. Thanks so much for listening. Appreciate you out there in education land. Hope to see you again soon. Party time. Sirens are going off in my head. We're going to try to just not be horrible. I'm watching you, exhausting entertainers. Always watching. Last kiss is missed.
podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his music in our intro, outro, and also the music used in our interviews. You can find his information in the show notes below.